Welcome to Words to Inspire, lifelong empowerment from God's Word. I'm Ruth Coghill, your host. Have you ever wondered if and where you fit into God's plan? Today, I'll join by phone best-selling author and speaker Liz Curtis Higgs, who will answer that question over the next few months. Through Liz's study book, The Girls Still Got It, she shows how our sovereign God used an unlikely candidate greatly to accomplish his purposes, Biblical Ruth. You won't want to miss Liz's insights and research into this amazing story of redemption. Welcome back to Words to Inspire, Liz. Wonderful to be back with you. Love chatting about the story of Ruth. Isn't it a great story? And for our listeners, Liz Curtis Higgs has joined me, and we are doing six segments on this beautiful story. Today is our third segment, and the third week of each month, you will be able to catch each of the segments. If you miss one after each one airs, all six will be archived on my website, wordsdoinspired.ca. Now, today, we're going to look at the next portion. We left last time, Liz, as Ruth and Naomi were just returning to Bethlehem, and Naomi has given her her, uh, picture of who she is, not Naomi, the pleasant one, but the bitter one, Mara, and uh, and now we're coming into uh, the first ray of light, which we see at the end of that that verse in the first chapter at the beginning of the barley season. Yes, it's just interesting. They've come back. Remember, they, she said, I, I left, you know, with my arms full. But the truth was, she left in a, in a drought, in a yes. famine. And so what she has come back to, in fact, is the barley harvest. And so even there at the end of chapter 1 in Ruth, a little hint of what's to come. No one Absolutely no one on this earth has ever told a better story than God's stories in his word. <laughs> yes, and, and I loved what you said about uh, uh, Naomi having all of this really at her fingertips, and yet she didn't see it. Not yet. We have to have someone else. We have to have God show us his bigger picture, because in essence, Liz, there's only one story. That's right. There's really only one story. All of our stories fit into God's big story of his love for us. Is, a, is this beautiful book that really encapsulates all our stories. It does. It you know, does. It's the story of two women and an amazing man named Boaz, but the truth is it is a far bigger story than that. It's a story of God redeeming his people. And, it is. You know, it's, it's big and little, which is one of the many reasons I love it, and it's so rich. And, and you just could talk about it for hours, and you and I are discovering that uh, the time we have to, to, uh, to chat on each of our segments is just not long enough. But we pray that these will be teasers and that women will go out and purchase your book and get a group together and study The Girl Still Got It. Liz Curtis Higgs, an author, speaker, and uh, has done a marvelous job of putting some humor into this story because it's a very intense story. And Liz, I have to tell you, I love the way that you bring a bit of lightness in this heaviness. As we come into today's segment, which is going to be chapter 2, Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 to 17, we come into a brand new picture, a new beginning. Now, Naomi... What is coming now? 
That's right. And I love that. That first word now <laughs> tells us a change is coming. Yes. And it's interesting because what we're going to focus on in this very first verse isn't Naomi at all, but it's this man from her husband's clan, a man of standing. God is going to give us a little preview of this hero to come. He's just shining a light over in the corner, <laughs> saying to us as readers, get ready. I'm about to introduce a hero. And I love that. I love that he doesn't just walk onto the set, but we get a glimmer of him in the wings. He's a man of standing. That would have meant in those days that he was a war hero. So already he's much more powerful and strong than poor Malon and Kilion, who I call wimpy and frumpy. <laughs> yeah. no, they're gone now. They're gone. And were physically weak and now are in fact dead. But this man, this man is standing. He's alive. He's strong. He's powerful. He is wealthy and respected. That's what the translations, translations tell us. Prominent and rich. Wow. Important. A mighty man of wealth. And his name was... Boaz. Uh, I think you'll notice as we look in the scriptures, Boaz is always an exclamation point at the end of a sentence. It could have simply said a man uh, uh, related to a Limelech named Boaz, but we had this big buildup whose name was... <laughs> yes. And yes. I love that. That's God saying, if you're looking for a happy ending to this story, it's coming. Because mm. chapter one of Ruth, honestly, is sorrow after sorrow, yes. after sorrow. It's famine, it's death, it's loss, it's rejection. But then, yes. now, here comes hope. And so Ruth says to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick the leftover grain. I love that. I love Let's the go. fact. But she's saying to Naomi, she's asking permission. She this is. beautiful woman who's given up everything of her past is saying to her mother-in-law, who has taken her to another land, asking permission for her to do it. Yes. And, and she she's willing. The of the foreman, we learn later, too, mm -hmm. shows us Ruth's, um, not just politeness, but her understanding of authority. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I just have to say, as a sidebar, is a real struggle for this girl. <laughs> well, it is for a lot of us type no, I mean, A personalities. I love God. I worship God. But to remember constantly that he has authority over me and that I willingly submit and obey. Wow. Yes, because I, I can speak too as one that likes to push the boundaries. Mm -hmm. I look at Ruth and am, I'm so humbled by her humility and her willingness to do whatever it is to follow this God. I think we're seeing this played out, acted out, her deep love for the God of Israel. And for Naomi herself. You know, she said, I will never leave you. And so now she's proving that by going that first step, I will feed you. Um, you know, when you, when you move to a new town, a new apartment, whatever, the first thing you have to do is buy groceries. <laughs> That's right. Do anything else. Can't even start unpacking until you have something to eat. Yeah. And so she's addressing Naomi's physical need right from the top. And notice she doesn't say, let's go out and no. do this. But... I'm going to do this for you. No. A, it, a graciousness. Such and, a beauty. Such a beautiful statement, not expecting anything more from Naomi. Naomi's not able to give her anything else at this point, I don't think. And she's and, assuming this responsibility and doing what she has to do. 
She is. And also, it would have been hard for Naomi physically at her age, but it's more than that. The gleaner was the lowest person, mm. the socioeconomic chain, ladder, whatever you'd like to use. She's at the bottom. And for Naomi to become a gleaner in her own hometown would have been incredibly humiliating. And so Ruth is willing to be that person, that person going out and begging, as it were, working at, on the edges of the field, not even a real harvester, but just the gleaner, mm-hmm. and at the scraps. That's how much she loves Naomi and wants to serve God. And who's she looking for? She says, I'll do this behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Mm. That beautiful Hebrew word, chesed, which really means grace. So she is looking for someone who hands out grace. Don't you love that? Oh, love it. Love it. And and really, Liz, going into this Bethlehem, she's a foreign woman. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we must not forget that she has a reputation. A Moabitess, absolutely. I mean, nothing to do with her character, just from simply where she's come from. That's exactly right. And um, she would not have really had anyone to protect her. It was very dangerous. She may not know that yet, but it's very dangerous for her to go out there and be hanging out in the fields. Mm-hmm. Husband, mm-hmm. a father or a brother to avenge her if something should happen. She is being incredibly courageous. And so she does go out and start gleaning mm-hmm. behind the harvesters. Um, three people were allowed to glean. Um, people who were uh, a widow or um, a fatherless or a foreigner. And she is all of the above. So she has the right to go out mm. and glean. And those th- That's where she goes. <laughs> those four words, as it turned out, oh my goodness, like as it turned out, it's, those are such powerful words because they really are just filled with the sovereign details that God seems to delight in giving to us. And yet it's said in such a simple way, as it turned out, four very ordinary words. Four very ordinary words. And, and it's interesting because we are tempted to say, what a coincidence. Uh-huh. But the word coincidence is not in the Bible in any no, translation. No, no. Not there in the, in the Hebrew or the Greek. No. Not there. That's right. That's right. What a beautiful picture. And, and then she, she comes and, and gleans in this field belonging to Boaz, who, we're reminded, was from the clan of Elimelech. And see, I love that we've already met him. That's right. That's right. Audit too, so that we can, with great anticipation, go. Oh boy, something good is going to happen. I know. And then those two little words. Just then, it's. Then. <laughs> I love those two words, because again, what happens? Here comes our Boaz. Ah. First word out of his mouth is the Lord. First words he speaks: "The Lord be with you." We learn everything about him from that little statement. First he speaks God's name, but then he gives a blessing from God. May the Lord be with you. So he's not a man who thinks only about himself. No, no. A blessed man I am. That's not what he says. No, he says, the Lord be with, (laughs) be with, I Mm. will never leave you, be with, Right. he says to his people, including, of course, Ruth, who's out there standing in the field. And I think it's really beautiful to see what they call back to him, the, uh, the workers. It, it really shows this beautiful relationship between Boaz 
and those that uh, the harvesters. Yep, the Lord bless you, they call back. Oh, there had to be a a wonderful a, a wonderful attitude and a wonderful environment that Boaz had created with those under his authority. He wasn't lording it over. He was letting them be part of the family and blessing them. He is the kind of of uh, employer we would all want to work for. Absolutely, absolutely. Blessing us with God's blessing. And so they return that to him, which we, any of us who've worked in any job know how unusual that would be <laughs> yes. for the employees to throw a blessing at their boss's feet. Not That's because they might lose their job otherwise, but be, but genuinely and from the heart. And so, of course, Boaz immediately sees Ruth, and he wants to know whose young woman is this. Who is she? But whose is she? Who does she belong to? Ruth in Boaz's field, and Boaz, he has just blessed his workers, and now we've got the next part of the story. Take it from there, Liz. Well, the foreman who has uh, Mo, uh, our our hero Boaz has just had his foreman. You know, whose young woman is that? Whose? And he describes her as a Moabitess who came back from Moab. Now, I laughed when I first read that because I thought that's like saying it's the American from America. But that's not true. This is absolutely correct. She is a Moabitess, and she also came back from Moab with Naomi. Mm. Come back from Moab and not be a Moabitess. But in this case, she is a Moabitess, and she's come back with Naomi. Now, Naomi is a relative of his. So this is a big clue. This is someone who is family to him. Which is why when he goes and speaks to her, he says to her first, my daughter. Mm. Because when I first read that, I thought, well, but that's, is he using that in some kind of endearment? He doesn't even know her. But the fact is, she is of this clan, and so he can say, my daughter, and then listen to me. Remember I said that Ruth was willing to be under the authority of her mother-in-law, of Boaz, and of God, most of all. And so here's this man taking an authoritative stance with her, listen to me. Then he tells her, don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here, stay here. Well, two don't going to stay. I think the man wants her around. Yeah. (laughs) But he's sparing her. He is protecting her. Already. He tells her, already, from the beginning. Yeah. He says, I have told the men not to touch you. Now, that amazes me because I'm thinking he walked from his foreman's side over to Ruth's side. It, it looks like in a pretty straight line. But in the, between the two, he must have taken time and stopped to talk to the men and said, do not touch this woman. I know she's a widow and she's a foreigner and she is unprotected. But she is now coming under my protection. That is what he must have said to the men. Yeah. And then he says, this is huge, Whenever you're thirsty, to Ruth, go and get a some of the uh, get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Now we're thinking, well, that's just a polite thing to do. She's out there working; it's hot. What we need to understand is when in the Bible um, someone extends a drink to another person, it is their way of saying, "I want to have a relationship with you." Ooh. Our first step is to offer you water. And sure enough, we can think of lots of examples in the Old Testament of water being offered. And we can also think of it in the New Testament when Jesus offered a certain woman at the well. Yes. Living water. And mm. so, so this is a cultural thing. When you're thirsty, go and get a drink. 
this is why her response is this overwhelming yes. at this at this amazing offer. She bowed down with her face to the ground. Ruth, that's that is uh. people responded to grace. Mm. Is to, is to be absolutely humbled, face to the ground. And she's overwhelmed. In fact, Ruth exclaims, uh, which tells us how amazed she is. Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Here's what's fun here. The word foreign and notice have the same root in Hebrew, and it's kind of a giggle because we do, to be really honest, notice foreigners. We do. We notice by oh, yes. a different look to them physically or perhaps an accent that we hear or a different language being spoken, different clothes being worn. We do always notice a foreigner. But what she's really saying, the real emphasis is here, is why have I found grace mm. in eyes? Why have you been so kind to me? This is truly what we say to God when we are overwhelmed by his goodness to us is why me, Lord? Yes, why me? And yet, if we look back earlier, she's asking Naomi if she can go to a field where she would be, where she would find favor. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? And her, <laughs> her prayer is being answered, and she's amazed, just like you and I, when God answers our prayers way bigger, or when we're not expecting them, we are so overwhelmed. We just don't know what to do but to bow down. That's right. And so even within hours of her prayer being answered, here it is. How is it that I've found favor in your eyes? And I think uh, she's not only amazed, exclaiming, I think she actually wants an answer too. She wants to know why. Why have you noticed me? And Boaz graciously answers her. Mm. God graciously answers us. If we say, why me, Lord? He will always say, because I love you, mm. because you are mine, because I have chosen you, because you're my child, but mostly because you're mine. Yeah. Um, that's why he is kind, which gets around to the point that it isn't us, it's him. That's right. Oh, how beautiful. And what I love about verse 11, where Boaz replies to her, it's, it's uh, at the beginning of coming into Bethlehem, we know that she had a reputation, not because of her character. But now she's got a reputation because of her character and what she's done. And it's amazing. He says, I've been told all about what you I know. And I'm thinking, when did that happen? I, I know. Somebody, that foreman was doing some talking. I wonder who else was talking. I think the women at the gate were talking. I think, uh, you know, as soon as those women met Naomi, the, the, we need to get the picture. Bethlehem only had about 200 residents at this time. So it's a really small town. Mm. Word, word would have traveled literally from one end of Bethlehem to the other, probably in an hour. Wow. In an hour. 200 people could get the word pretty quickly. Naomi's back. She's brought her daughter-in-law. Her daughter-in-law is, is willing to come back with her, willing to care for her. Oh, yeah, the word got around. Really. Oh, wow. Wow. Imagine having this kind of reputation in that short period of time. We don't know how long that was, but it had to be fairly soon because they needed some groceries, as you mentioned. Right. They needed them <laughs> right away. It wasn't days. I no, no, no. It could have been hours. It could have been hours. And there was no texting. There was no uh, phones. And there was none of that. It was all word of mouth. That next statement, how you left your father and mother and your homeland 
and came to live with a people you did not know before. Such a powerful statement. Jesus tells us that we need to leave father and mother. He's also, Boaz is also really comparing her here to Abraham, who, same mm. word, left his family, left right. the land that he knew, and went to a place he did not know. So by using these words that are taken from the story of Father Abraham, which everyone would have known, and applying them to this Moabitess, oh my goodness, it is powerful. Mm. It is a, a very much a blessing to Ruth that he would see her in comparison to someone like Abraham. Uh, unheard of, really. It's amazing. Well, it's a fast-forward story today, but you are really giving us such a great picture of this beautiful uh, foreign woman who's come to Bethlehem. Anyone who turns their eyes toward Bethlehem, to the house of bread, no matter what their past, will have their lives changed. When they've made that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ... Liz, I want you to encapsulate the rest of this, this uh, segment today into one short statement. What is our takeaway? After they've had lunch, and Boaz I, I is... Sir, he invites her to the table. Yeah. This is huge. He says, you're yes. the family now. Yes. I'm going to care for you. You're mine. And this is what God says to us. It's not just have a drink of water. It's come to the table. Come and be part of my family. Be in fellowship with me and those I love. Come and be part. And that's what Boaz says to Ruth, even as God says to us. Wow, what a beautiful picture that you've painted. From Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 to 17, from your book, The Girl Still Got It. Thank you so much, Liz, for this beautiful third segment in our series. We'll join you again next time. And I'd love to hear from you, my listeners. Email me with your thoughts or comments about today's show, ruth at wordstoinspire.ca, or visit my website, wordstoinspire.ca. You can also visit the store on my website where you can purchase the first of my WOW Bible studies, Woman of Worth, Lifelong Encouragement from Psalm 139, and just released the four-DVD set to accompany that first book a great resource to encourage you in your spiritual journey. God's Word is so powerful, and Words to Inspire wants to stir up your desire to memorize, meditate, study, and apply the life-changing truths of Scripture. Remember, if you miss a segment of this study on Ruth, you can access the shows after they air on my website, wordstoinspire.ca. The theme verse for this book on Ruth, this series that we are doing, I've chosen from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in the message, and it reads, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Tune in again next week, same time and station. I'm Ruth Coghill with Words to Inspire. Bye for now. 